You might wonder why I've chosen that particular passage tonight and given to the sermon the title of a healing community. Well, the passage is one of our lectionary readings for this particular Sunday, but you might be wondering, well, how does this passage, which makes no mention of healing, in any way possibly reflect a healing community? Well, let me explain and try to show how these few verses at the end of the second chapter of Acts of the Apostles present a picture of a healing community comprising the first followers of Jesus gathered in Jerusalem. In this little cameo of the life of the earliest disciples of Jesus, we're given a picture that portrays several features of their life together. Let's just note them. They display a devotion to the teaching and fellowship of the apostles. They share in prayers and the breaking of the bread, what we might now call Holy Communion. They pull their possessions and other resources and distribute them to those of their number who are in need. And daily, they eat together with glad and generous hearts, and they praise God. And the outcome of this community life and the nature of it, this shared life, is threefold. Firstly, they win the goodwill of all the people. Secondly, many signs and wonders were being done by the apostles. And thirdly, day by day, the Lord was adding to their number. So although there's no reference to healing there, my point is that this was a community, the kind of community in which healings would regularly have taken place. And they would have taken place in that kind of Christian community for two reasons that I believe are implicit in this passage. And out of that, I hope we can draw something for our own church and our own Christian experience. And the first of those reasons is this. The nature of this Christian community provided fertile ground for healing to flourish and grow. So that in this kind of Christian community, healing just could not help but blossom forth. Any farmer or allotment holder or home gardener wanting to reap a good harvest from the earth knows that to gain a good crop in the autumn, you have to prepare the ground well in springtime. This first Christian community in Jerusalem was a community that had prepared the ground well. It had prepared the ground well for God to do his work among them. It was ground well prepared to bring forth a harvest of lives, transformed, saved and healed, to flow out from its life so that those lives would flourish and grow 
from the soil in which they were set. And that groundwork, that preparation, was done daily. Not only as they ate together and they shared with each other what they possessed, but that groundwork was done as they worshipped together, as they prayed together, as they went to the temple courts, as they had an outreach and a sensitivity to those who were in need around them, and as they sought to meet the needs that they encountered in their community. It seems to me that today, those churches and healing centers that have a vibrant ministry know that worship and prayer in particular are vital to the effectiveness of that healing ministry. In fact, I would go so far as to say that no healing ministry can possibly be sustained without regular prayer being at its very heart. And personal and collective prayer is a part of what we are about here as a team at Central Hall. We know the necessity of this, the benefits of this. We know what prayer does. We know that prayer is able to open up channels of God's healing grace, to enable it to flow to those most in need of healing and new life. And we know that without that prayer, those channels sometimes get blocked. They don't always open to allow God's grace to flow out from them. But there's another aspect here about a church's prayer life, and that's this. That when people come along for healing, when people have needs or problems or difficulties in their lives, one of the things that they find often is that they find it very hard to pray. That they try, but somehow the prayers don't come out right. Or somehow they don't feel as though they can come before God and ask for whatever it is that they need, for whatever reason that may be. It seems to me that in those situations when people find it hard to pray for themselves, that the church steps in. It's then that the church comes and covers them with prayer. It's then that the church is able to lift these people up to God and bring them before God's throne of grace. And in addition to all that, the church's whole life and ministry should be one in which we seek to bring healing and reconciliation into people's lives. In that respect, the community life that's painted in this picture in Acts chapter 2 points to the nature and quality of relationships that God wants all his people to share. And when those relationships are seen, are vibrant relationships within a Christian worshipping community, then those relationships have a tangible effect upon those who come into that community to receive healing from God. So if you're one of those people who's come here tonight because you have needs, but somehow you've found that 
your prayers have been ineffective or you've just not found it easy to pray or you think that somehow your prayers are bouncing off the ceiling or not getting you anywhere, then know that you come here tonight amongst a people who seek to cover you with prayer, who seek to lift you up before the throne of God's grace to enable you to receive through those open channels of God's healing grace the life that God wants to give to you today. And the second reason, the second reason why I believe this little picture gives to us an indication that this was a healing community is because of the context of this particular passage. This particular passage at the end of chapter 2 comes right at the end of a chapter which begins with that tremendous account of the coming of the Holy Spirit on the disciples of Jesus on the day of Pentecost. One of the immediate effects of the coming of the Spirit was the dramatic change that it wrought in the lives of the followers of Jesus. They were quickly turned from frightened and timid disciples into bold and confident witnesses to the crucified and risen Jesus. The Spirit empowered them to do what they'd been totally unable to do before, which was to proclaim the good news of Jesus in word and deed, to proclaim the kingdom of God, just as Jesus had proclaimed the kingdom of God during his earthly ministry. And of course, central to the proclamation of the kingdom of God for Jesus and now for this new church is the ministry of healing. Because you see, it's the Holy Spirit that brings healing into people's lives through the prayers and the actions of Jesus' disciples. The very next verses after this particular passage recount in Acts chapter 3 how Peter and John heal a lame man outside the beautiful gate at the Jerusalem temple. And what Luke wants us to notice is that they bring healing to this lame man in just the same way as Jesus brought healing to countless people during his earthly ministry. And notice that in the Gospels, Jesus does not perform any healings or other works of ministry until he has been anointed at his baptism by the Holy Spirit. The, the ministry of Jesus was a charismatic, spirit-inspired, spirit-filled ministry. And the life and the ministry of these early followers of Jesus is similarly charismatic, spirit-filled, and spirit-inspired. Of course, it's not just in healing that the Holy Spirit is evidenced in the life of these disciples. It is there demonstrated in every aspect of their life together and their ministry towards the community around them. So in our healing ministry we invoke 
the Holy Spirit in all our prayers for healing. For it's by the Holy Spirit that the healing hands of Jesus are placed upon us. It's by the Holy Spirit that the healing of Jesus is brought into our lives. So I hope tonight that as you come to receive healing prayer, you will actually feel the power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you. You will feel it through the hands of those who pray with you. You will feel maybe the heat of the Holy Spirit coming into you. You may feel a tingling or a shaking as the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You may feel that you have a deep sense of peace or well-being. Or you may feel a sense of feeling overpowered, but in a really very nice and comfortable way. Whatever you may feel tonight by way of the Spirit's touch upon your life, let me say this, welcome it. Embrace it. Do not resist it. And certainly, do not be fearful of it. For the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will do nothing to you that will ever cause you any harm or danger or damage. The Holy Spirit is given that you might receive fully from God all that God wants to give to you by way of his healing and his blessing tonight. The Spirit can act only for our good, for our well-being. So our prayer tonight should be, come, Holy Spirit, come and minister to me tonight. So let me encourage you then to come forward to members of our prayer team later for healing prayer ministry. For here at Central Hall is a community of faithful disciples of Jesus, a community of people steeped in worship and prayer, a community that has at its heart, as the disciples had at their heart, a healing ministry centered on Jesus and one which is made effective by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within the life of this church and this community and as far as tonight is concerned, within the life of the members of our prayer healing team. So come tonight in faith, confident that here too is a healing community. A healing community different in many respects from that group of early followers of Jesus who gathered in Jerusalem. But a healing community nonetheless who know the importance of worship, of prayer, of reaching out in love, of sensitivity, of seeking by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit to meet the needs of all God's people. So come tonight, come for healing, for God wants to meet with you. Amen.